Man, thanks, Sam, and it is so good to see you guys this morning. My name is Nate, one of the pastors here, and would you welcome everybody in our video venue and on our live stream right now. So thrilled you guys are here with us and tuned in, and I'll tell you what, man, that song has been on my heart for a couple months when I first heard it by Wren Collective, and uh, I actually became even more uh, on my heart a couple weeks ago. I got a buddy who has a Jeep. And it was a beautiful day, and my kids love riding in Jeeps, but I don't have a Jeep. And I said, hey, can I borrow it? And I tell you what, if you want to count your blessings, ride in a Jeep with the top off, man. You will experience the blessings of God. And uh, it's so many times, too, this is the mistake I make. Physically, sometimes in our life, we can be going through something difficult, and it seems like, man, God's not blessing me. And I haven't experienced the blessings of God, or I'm missing out, or I'm waiting for my blessing. And we can begin to assume that God hasn't blessed us if life isn't working out the way that we want. Except if you read Ephesians chapter 1, Paul reminds the church in Ephesus, and he reminds us today of these words. He says that in Christ, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Today, we have been blessed because of Jesus. I know because physically, things might not be working out the way that you want in life right now. I've had a buddy, man, has been struggling this whole last year through unemployment and bouncing back and forth, and there's been hardship, and there's been all this stuff that he's had to go through. He's got a family he's trying to provide for. It hasn't been easy. But even in the midst of hardship and suffering, we know this, because of Christ, we have his presence. We have his blessing. And if we're not careful, what will happen is this. We'll begin to assume that Christ has done nothing for us when Christ has actually done everything for us. He is the one who's come to save us. He's the one who's come to redeem us, even when life is hard. This is why today I've called this sermon, The Sin of Assuming, uh, because a little over eight years ago, I was only a couple years into marriage, uh, I was assuming a lot of things of my wife, Ruthie. And one was this, I was going, you know what, I was assuming that she was an extrovert just like I was, meaning this, after service, I would love to go to lunch with all of us. Right, like I would love to walk, walk in into PV across the street, all of us, and go table for a couple thousand, right? You know, and, and can we hang out together? You all fire me up. I love to hang with people. But there's a difference. There's extroverts, and then there's what? Introverts, right? And there's nothing wrong. It's not one or the other is better. But here was my assumption. I just assumed that my wife, because when I hang out with her, I have the best time. And we talk and all this stuff, and it's great. But here's the thing. My wife is an introvert, and so for two years, I just assumed she was an extrovert like I was. And she would say, hey, let's go out on a date. And I'm like, that sounds awesome. Can we invite so-and-so? And she's like, okay. You know, and then a couple times more, I'd be like, hey, and let's, and let's invite them. And then, and then finally she's like, can we just hang out? And I'm like, why? You know, like... like <laughs> Like, let's bring everybody. And I just assumed what refreshed her heart was the same thing that refreshed my heart. And see, sometimes we don't even realize it in our life that we're assuming things of other people. We're assuming things of life. Maybe for some of you, this is your first time in a church. This is your first time at Northside. Or maybe you drove by for a long time and your story was this. You drove by this place and you assumed, you're like, there's some shady stuff going on in there. That's that large church, man, but they got snakes, man, and all this other stuff, you know. You just drive by and you just begin to assume. You're like, I bet those people are are wacko, you know. And then you come in and you begin to go, wow, they actually want to know my name. Wow, they actually are willing to take time and pray with me. 
Well, they'd, they'd actually call. They'd actually visit me in the hospital. They'd actually want to invest in me. I tell you, that baptism, that, oh, man, so excited to see Harper get baptized. Uh, she's in our life group. Her parents, Brandon and Jessica, are in our life group. And we were so thrilled a couple weeks ago when her parents told us that she wanted to get baptized. And then we were thrilled when she said, and I want Jay Jacoby to do it. And there was this awesome moment in our life group where we're going, this is what it means to be the church. Actually, you know, sometimes we, and, and, I, and I feel the same too, we try not to be too corporate on our church staff, we, you know, and, we, and corporate's kind of a bad word, you know, oh, that place is so corporate, and all this other stuff, and I didn't realize until a little while ago that word corporate, actually the Latin word for it, corpus, means body. See, the problem with corporate is you quit thinking and feeling and being about people, and see, when we quit being the church and we quit being about people and we quit, you know, we just start assuming what the church is and we forget what God has called the church to be, we'll actually never experience all of the reality that Jesus has for us. This is why we love getting to be the body of Christ. We love getting to be the church. The question is, what are the assumptions that you have in your life that you don't even realize you're assuming? Because here's the thing, we are always making assumptions. We're always making assumptions about people. We're always making assumptions about things that are going on in life. And here's the thing, you know why we assume? You know why it's so easy to assume? Because every time you assume something, we always assume that we're right, don't we? We never assume we're wrong. I remember when Ruthie and I got married, one of the things that we began to assume, you know, people would ask, hey, are you going to have kids? Well, yeah, we're thinking about it. And then we started studying the parents around us. And I'll just be honest, we started judging people because what would happen is this, we'd just begin to assume. We would see parents out to dinner and they would just give their kid their iPhone to watch a show. And I'd go, I'm not going to be that parent. I'm going to be a good parent. Because no good parent would give their kid an iPhone at the dinner table right? And then I had kids, you know. <laughs> but we would just assume, I'm not going to be like them. Because when I'm a parent, I'm going to be more mature than that. I'm going to be better than that. And I mean, there's these times, you know, we'd get in there, we'd try to give our kids some coloring, drawing papers, all this stuff. They're chucking crowns at other tables, you know. And I'm like, and we would just, have, Ruthie and I just had that look of like, give them Mickey, right? You know, like, here it is, man. It's like the digital pacifier, you know. <laughs> And then they would actually be occupied and we could talk for a moment. But it was so funny when we didn't have kids, we assumed we'd be, be, we'd be better than everybody else around us. We just assumed we would be right. We assumed we would be better. We assumed we wouldn't be like them. We assume, we assume, we assume. And here's the deal. It's a whole lot easier to assume than it is to ask questions. But if we're not careful, here's going to be the problem. You ready? We're going to build our life around what we assume instead of the realities of Jesus. This week, I've been reading through Proverbs. I'm trying to read a proverb of day and just take time and unpack that and listen to the Lord. I'm in a place where I need season. And, you know, I need wisdom in the season of my life. You know, i got a first grader, never been a parent of a first grader, don't know what I'm doing. You know, never been a senior pastor. Hey, Lord, help me. And, and this is what I found is in every season of our life, this is the first time for you to be in this season. Do you realize that? Everybody in this room, none of us know what we're doing. Do you know that? We don't, you were like, I do too. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> Literally, I was walking into church with one of our staff members today, and their last kid just went to college. And I said, how's it going being an empty nester? And they go, we're figuring it out. <laughs> Translation, we don't know what we're doing. 
They go, we have so much time. Our kids dictated our schedule. Now we have a chance to, but we don't, we've never been empty nesters before. We don't know. Proverbs 14, 12 says this. This is why we got to be careful and listen to our thoughts and our assumptions in life because we assume, we assume, we assume. And listen to what it says in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man. Now, why did it have to say man, right? You know what I'm saying? There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, leads to death. A lot of times, we come to these moments in our place, and we say stuff like this, I never intended to end up here. And you go, none of us do. The only problem is, we just assumed the way that we were going and the decisions that we were making were right. And maybe they didn't end up in physical death, but it was the death of a relationship. It was the death of a job because of some of the ways that you acted. It was the death of some friendships because of some of our actions. Proverbs says, be careful because there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. What we're going to find today is this, that Jesus in his tough love challenges our assumptions. Whether you know it today or not, whether you're even a follower of Jesus today or not, you have assumptions about Jesus. You have assumptions about God. Maybe right now you're assuming, you're going, I'm not a believer, you know what, and I believe that God's not even here. I believe he doesn't even care. That might be your assumption about Jesus. Maybe you're going, you know what, right now you're a little bit frustrated with Jesus because you're assuming some things are to happen. Matter of fact, the definition, I read this, the definition of stress that I thought was fantastic is this. The definition of given of stress is this. The definition is the gap between what we expect and what we're experiencing. And that's stress. I expect this, except this is what's happening, and so now I'm mad at my spouse. I expect God to do this, and this is what's happening in my life, and now I'm mad at God. I expect more of myself to do this, and this is how I'm performing, so I don't like myself. Here comes this stress, and what Jesus is going to come in today in John chapter 9, and what he's going to do is he's going to challenge the assumptions of his disciples. He's going to challenge the assumptions of the Pharisees. He's going to challenge the assumptions of the people around him, and he's going to challenge your assumptions today and mine of what we believe Jesus is like because his tough love comes into our assumptions and leads us into a new reality. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 9 or we'll put the scriptures up on the screen. And what we're going to do today is this. In your outline, this is going to be pretty, it's going to be a little bit something that I've not done before, but in your outline, what we're going to do is we're going to look at four assumptions in this passage because everybody's assuming. You're assuming, I'm assuming, the Pharisees, the disciples are always making assumptions about Jesus. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at four assumptions today in John chapter 9, and then we're going to look at four realities that Jesus wants us to lean into. This is the way of love as it comes in and it challenges our assumptions of Jesus. If you have your Bible or you can read along on the screen, listen to what it says in John chapter 9. It says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. This is Jesus. He's going along the road and he sees this man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? That's their assumption. If something's wrong, we make that assumption. If something's wrong in someone's life, it's like, whose fault is it? It's got to be somebody's fault. Listen to what Jesus says. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. What? 
It's not, not the options I gave you, Jesus. Why are you giving me a different answer? But this happens so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is today, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming, and when no one can work, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world, Jesus says. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Anybody see that coming this morning? Can't you just like touch the man's eyes? Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. And this word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. What we find here is Jesus not meeting anybody's expectations. The disciples, who was it, Jesus, that sinned, this man or his parents? Here's our expectations. If something's going wrong in someone's, in your life, it's either your fault or someone's fault. And Jesus says, what did he say? Neither. Neither. I know you have these assumptions. Neither. That is not the way it's lined up. And then Jesus does this. Nobody's seen this coming. Nobody says, healing Jesus. You know what Jesus does? He looks at the man, and then he goes, <laughs> you're like, like, dude, yeah, I, I got a lot of wrong assumptions about Jesus here. He spits on the ground, and he makes mud, and he puts it on the guy's eyes. Now, there's a couple things going on here. One, this is on the Sabbath day, and you're not supposed to do any work. And what Jesus is doing is this. He's coming, and he's doing work on the Sabbath because what he's about ready to tell the disciples and everybody around him is, I am the Sabbath. I am the life. Healing only comes through me. It's not just that he's kind of gross and wants to make mud and put it on the guy's eyes, right? Matter of fact, there was kind of this idea that in saliva there was some healing, there was some all this other stuff. This was some of the belief, and Jesus goes, listen, I'm going to do this. And then he sends the man to go and wash. He sends him, and he's healed. A lot of times we go, if we can just pray, it'll just change. You know what's fascinating about this? The more I read about all the miracles in the Bible, sometimes we think Jesus just comes along with a magical wand and all this other stuff happens. If you go back and you read every miracle in the Bible, Jesus always has somebody participate in the miracle. When Jesus feeds the 5,000, what does he do? He asks for what? The five loaves and two fish. He goes, give it to me. Give it to me. What he does is he makes this mud, he puts it on the man's eyes, and he could have just said, now open your eyes. Ta-da! <laughs> That's how we think Jesus is going to work in our life, right? God, I'm here, I prayed. <laughs> he says, go wash. What does the man do? He goes and he washes. He went and he washed, and then he could see. See, this whole thing of us, a lot of times we're going, God, you haven't moved in my life. He's going, no, you haven't stepped into what I have for you. No, you want to see me move. I want you to step in to what I have for you. I want you to begin to belong and become a part of what I'm doing. I'm calling you into this. Oftentimes we're so frustrated with God because he hasn't resolved our issues. He goes, why don't you step into it with me? See, that's why even that, that pool that the man washed at was called scent. He's going, go into this. 
go into this. Here's our problem. Most of the time, our assumption of Jesus is this. And when we get frustrated is, we begin to think, this is why we assume stuff, is that the only way I know is the only way I can go. If you're you're writing along, fill that in the blank. This is one of our assumptions. The only way I know is the only way I can go. Maybe you've said this before. My dad was angry. My grandpa was an angry drunk. I'm just angry. It's who I am. And Jesus says, oh, I know that's where you've come from. But that's not the way I'm calling you to go. See, too many times we put even assumptions on ourselves. This is just who I am. I can't change. It's me. Take it or leave it. And people are like, we'll leave it. It's okay, you know. (laughs) See, too many times we assume the only way I know is the only way I can go. Jesus comes on the scene and he says this to his disciples, neither, neither. No, no, no. That's, I know this is the theological realm that only you guys know about disciples, but I have another way for you. I have another reality for you to live in. And if you're following along, you want to write this in. Here's the reality that God is calling us into. He's saying, I want you to exchange your truth for God's truth. This is what I mean, your truth. You have experiences in life. You've lived some life. The only thing is this, just because you live life doesn't mean you know God's life. Matter of fact, uh, a couple years ago, I was helping a buddy move, and he called a bunch of us guys to get over to the house to help him move, to help pack up the house. And uh, if you're ever moving, the, the easiest job, and go ahead and volunteer for this you know, immediately, is to go, you know what, I'll be the guy in the van you know, or in the truck packing the truck. You know why? Because you get to work in the shade. Right? And everybody just brings the boxes to you. And so one of my buddies, he said this. He goes, oh, man, I've moved a thousand times. He goes, I moved a thousand times. I'll load the truck. And we go, okay. So we're moving all the boxes out to him. In this house, there's like three or four bedrooms. You know, there's a kitchen, a living room, a dining room. We got a garage full of stuff, and we only have one truck. And we start just bringing the bedroom stuff out, and we bring some of the furniture out. And after two bedrooms, we're over a fourth of the way full. And I remember kind of looking at the truck, and I'm looking at the house, and I'm looking at the truck, and I'm going, we're not going to make it. Like, we're not going to get everything. And then I begin to look at how my buddy's, you know, putting everything in the truck. And this is what we told him. We, we, we said, you know what, man? We're, we're like, we, we, don't, we, don't think it's, we don't think it's all going to fit. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. I've moved a thousand times. <laughs> and finally, we just had a conversation, and we go, you may have moved a thousand times, but you don't know how to pack. <laughs> and we kicked him out of the truck. We said, go start loading the boxes. It's the same thing here. You may have lived for 50 years, and you go, if I've experienced life, yes, you have, but you haven't experienced the life of Jesus for 50 years. And there's a big difference between moving and packing. Jesus is coming on the scene and he goes, don't assume that you know what life is all about. And what he's calling the disciples and even what he called this blind man into is to exchange their truth for God's truth. We have a psychologist that works with our staff. He helps grow his name's Dr. John Walker. And this is how he puts it. I love it. He says what God calls us to is to exchange our little T truth, our experiences with the big T truth of God. Because all of us walk around with little t truth. Some of you might say stuff like this. You can't trust your friends because they're all going to stab you in the back. Well, that doesn't sound like any fun. 
And it might be because all of your friends have stabbed you in the back, but that doesn't mean every friend that everybody everywhere will have will stab them in the back. You've got to be careful not to live by just your experience, but begin to live by the truth of God. Because what happens is this, Jesus is coming in and he's changing the expectations. Matter of fact, he makes everybody mad. And, and the Pharisees hear about this and they can't believe that Jesus you know, would, would do this whole healing. And, and matter of fact, it says this in verse 16. If you read on a little bit more, his neighbors can't believe that God's done something in his life. They can't believe it. Jesus isn't meeting their expectations. He's not meeting the expectations of the Pharisees. He even says this in John chapter 9, verse 16. It says, some of the Pharisees said, this man Jesus is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. He healed this man on the Sabbath, which means this. He's not living up to what God has called us to. But the others asked, how can a sinner do such a miraculous sign? So they were divided. See, a lot of times we think Jesus is only caused, like right now, he's the, this is the only time in all of human history that Jesus has ever caused divisions on earth. Do you realize that Jesus has been a dividing point through all of creation? All of history. Here's why. Because people always have their own assumptions on life and Jesus is leading us into a new reality. He's going, no, 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 I'm calling you into a new life. And listen what happens. The Pharisees, they can't handle it. So they call this blind man back in. They're going, no, you're lying. It is, there's no way that this Jesus did it. Listen to what he says in verse 24. It says, a second time they summoned the man who had been blind. They bring him back in because this is, they can't, this, there's no way this can work. And they say this to him. They say, give glory to God, they said, because we know this man is a sinner. We know Jesus is a sinner. He wouldn't heal on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. Jesus isn't meeting their expectations. And the man replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know, but one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I what? But now I see. This is what I do know. I couldn't see, and then I met Jesus, and now I can see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered, I have told you already, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? I love their sarcasm in the Bible. Some of you, that is your spiritual gift. You're like, God has called me to antagonize people, right? I am so, you're like, I am so good at it. And I love it that this man kind of gets sarcastic with him. He's like, can't you just accept Jesus? Can't you just go, wow, unbelievable that God would heal him? No, they can't do it. Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. Talking about Jesus. The man answered, this is the blind man who's been healed. Now that is remarkable. I love it, man. Well, this is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opens my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. And nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. And if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. You think he's ever coming back to that synagogue, right? Here's this man, he's healed blind, 
Jesus heals them, and the, and the disciples and even the Pharisees can't see the work of Jesus. This is what tough love does, is it comes into our assumptions, and it says, no, 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 whatever you're assuming, you need to focus more on me than your thoughts or your ways, because I have a different way. And some of us are going, man, I'd love to know all this other stuff, you know, but the, man, there's so much that's going on. Here's the thing, one of the assumptions that we have is this, we go, man, I'd love for God to work in my life, but I have a long way to go, I have so much more I gotta know, you know, I'm not, I, I, I can't, I don't even have a Bible, I need to learn so much more about who Jesus is. Here's one of the assumptions that keeps us back from the work of Jesus in our life. If you're following along, you wanna write this in. Here's one of our assumptions. One of our assumptions is we have to know it all before we can follow it all. Anybody there? You're going, man, I really want to follow God. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know enough. I've got to learn more. I've got to, I, don't, I, can't, I haven't even memorized a scripture. You know what I love about this blind man's testimony? They're challenging him and he says this, whether Jesus is a sinner, I don't know. But one thing I do know is this, I was blind, now I see. See, so many times we put assumptions on ourselves. No, we got to know more. We got to learn more. We got to be better. We got to get all this stuff before we can follow Jesus. And that is not the way it works. The way it works is that we simply have this encounter with Jesus and he begins to change us from the inside out. That we begin to tell people, hey, you know what? Let me tell you about this Savior. Let me tell you about the one who's changed my life. Let me introduce you to him. This is why 1 Peter 3, 15 puts it this way. He says, but in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Don't trust anything else. Don't look for anything else to save you. Let Jesus save you and always be prepared. And this is where we get confused. Always be prepared to give an answer, not to all the questions, and you better know everything about the Bible, but always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. You know the reason for my hope in Jesus is because Nate Ross is a sinner who can't save himself, but I've made a savior who can save me when I can't save myself. That's the hope that I have. As hard as I wanna try, as good as I wanna be, it's not enough. Peter's reminded us, no, we don't have to have an answer for everybody. Hey, can you explain to me the hypostatic union of Jesus Christ? The well, hypo what? It means for him to be fully God and a fully man. Hey, can you explain to me the young earth and old earth and all this other stuff? I'm just trying to go to church, man. Can you give a reason for the hope that you have? Some of you might come up after the service and you might ask me a theological question I don't have an answer to and you know what I'm going to do? Hey, Dad. See, the pressure isn't on me to know everything and every question. No, no, no. Do we need to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ? Absolutely. The thing that we have to know is this. We have to know the hope and the reason for why we have this hope. Here's the reality is this. We don't need to know it all. The reality is this. Just know the one who knows it all. Just know the one. You know why that blind man's life changed? Because he actually obeyed Jesus. You know what Jesus did? It's kind of funky. Put a mud peel on his face, you know? And then he said, go and wash. What did the man do? He obeyed him. Okay. 
And what happened? You can see. I don't know if he's a sinner or not, but one thing I do know is this. I was blind, but now I see. See, we don't need to know it all. We just need to know the one who knows it all. I don't know about you, but this is one of the things about Scripture that we've got to pay attention to is sometimes, here's our assumption, that if we become a Christian, everything in life's going to become easy. Anybody ever had that assumption? Sometimes that's why you become mad at God, isn't it? I got baptized and my transmission fell out. <laughs> See if I'm going back to that church. This man recovers his sight, and he tells people about it. And what did the Pharisees do to him? They kick him out of church. They hurl insults at him. This is why sometimes our assumptions lie to us. If I get baptized, if I follow Jesus, I'm going to have a ton of money. I'm not sure I see that in Scripture. Matter of fact, you start reading the life of Paul. His ships are breaking apart. He's getting beat up for the gospel. We've got to be careful about what we're assuming. And what do we do in those times? You go, God, I'm being faithful, and they kicked me out of church. They lectured me. They called me a sinner. You know, all this other stuff. Listen to what happens. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. He's never even seen Jesus yet. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I have come into the world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Better be careful. Is that your assumption of Jesus? That the blind will see and those who see will become blind? And some of the Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? Yes, yes you are, Jesus said. He says, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. He calls out the Pharisees' assumptions. He goes, you all think you can see. You're blind. You don't even know it. You're still guilty. The thing is this, one of our assumptions that we find is this, when we face hardship is we have to figure it out, don't we? We go, i got to figure it out. i got, I got, to, I got to make all these things happen. Listen, what is, this is our, our, the third assumption that we miss here, is that sometimes we believe and we assume we have to find Jesus first. But what happened in the story? Jesus found him, didn't he? See, when we're going through our hard time, it's not just that you have to work your way back to Jesus or you got to go find Jesus. The reality that Jesus is inviting us into is this. Jesus simply wants us to be found. That's way different, isn't it? It's way different when we go, you know what? God, I just want, I, I'm trying to find all this. I'm trying to figure all this other stuff out and I've got to figure it out because I'm smart enough. And gosh darn it, people like me, you know? And I've got to figure these things out. And he goes, no, 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 more than you figuring out, will you just be found? Will you begin to open your life to me? 
That's what happened. This man meets Jesus face to face, and he says, do you believe this? And he says it. He goes, Lord, I believe. That's what it means to be found. That's why when we practice baptism, when we celebrate this stuff, what people are declaring is this, I am being found. Jesus, thank you for finding me. We always hear this phrase all the time. You have to see it to what? Believe it. Jesus says, no, 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 no. You have to believe it to what? See it. Do you believe this? Lord, I believe. Here's part of our assumption. Sometimes we believe the only thing that God wants for us is physical healing. Jesus had already healed him, you know, healed him physically, but he hadn't healed him spiritually yet. And there's a moment for you that you're going, you know what, there might be some stuff in your life that you physically want God to heal you, and he wants to come in and do a work in your life, but more than just healing you physically, he wants to heal you spiritually. He's going, I'm coming here. I'm coming to find you. I'm coming to change your heart and your life. And this is, man, this is one of the things, this is the last one that sometimes I miss is this. And Jesus says this clearly. This is one of our assumptions about Jesus. And this is why we continue on this way of Proverbs 14, 12. What seems good to a man and good and right actually can lead to death. Because oftentimes this is one of the things we believe is the last assumption in this is that Jesus didn't come to judge. You ever heard anybody say that? Jesus didn't judge. Let's read scripture. <laughs> Verse 39. For judgment, I have come into the world. <laughs> Jesus didn't judge. Now, careful, here's the thing. A lot of times we want to use judgment for where we want to judge, don't we? No, 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 no. You don't get to use judgment for where you want to judge we got to let Jesus judge where he wants to judge. And you know where he wants to judge? He wants to judge those who think they have life figured out, but they don't have him. We want to go around and just judge everybody. Jesus says, no, 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 no. For judgment I have come into the world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. We want to judge everybody else out in the world. Who's he talking about that can't see? It's the Pharisees. We want to run out and judge all those other people. And Jesus goes, no, 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 I want to start with the church first. I want to start with those who think they have it all figured out. And this is what he says. I've come to judge this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. And this is the reality he wants us to live in. He says that we believe by admitting that we're blind. you got to see it to believe it. Jesus goes, no, mm-mm. You've got to believe it to see it. Why hasn't God moved in my life? I'm waiting to see him show off. Do you believe this? Lord, I believe. Have you said that to him? Lord, I believe. There's a path that seems right to a man, but in the end, leads to death. It was Jesus who came and took a different path so that those of us who are actually blind could see. Are you trying to see it so you can believe it? 
Or today, do you need to say, Lord, I believe so you can see him at work. Father, thank you for this time and thank you for this challenge. Jesus, you always go to the core of who we are. And Father, you are always revealing things about ourselves that, God, we don't even know about ourselves. And that's why we can trust you, that you know us better than we know ourselves. And so, Father, in this moment, I just pray for us as followers of you, God, for those of us here today who might not know you, who might not follow you, Lord, would you continue to speak to us? And more than just that, God, would we continue to look and allow you into the depths of our soul? Because, Jesus, it's always you who are coming after us. It is always you who have never given up on us when we've given up on you. And so today, may we see your grace and your mercy at work in our lives. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let's be found this week, everybody. God bless you.